Hello and welcome to TC. Yes, this is Rio Free Professional Wrestling, and it took us an answer 24 hours to recover from AEW Wrestler Dream because Ashley, that was one hell of a card. Yeah, and let me tell you, possibly my favorite match ever. So <laughs> we're gonna have to get into this. You know, I'm gonna say that Zach Sabre Jr. versus Daniel Bryant may be my new favorite match of the year candidate. How about you? That may be my new favorite match um, of all time. <laughs> that was, I, I know we see like cinema get thrown around a lot. That was a masterpiece. Unbelievable. We're going to break down AEW Wrestle Dream in our next segment. We're also going to look at NST No Mercy because that was the WWE NST offering the night before AEW pay-per-view. And in our final segment of the week, we're going to look at what was originally the biggest story in professional wrestling of the last week, Jay Cardell signing with the WWE until about, I want to say 11.55 Eastern when a certain Adam Copeland arrived in Seattle and was on AEW TV with his original music and stuff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, all the talk surrounding it, I genuinely am still surprised it happened. Not that I didn't think AEW had anything they couldn't offer Edge. I just thought he was a lifer for WWE. You know, he he had me because I saw the video he posted on Twitter about a month ago where people were speculating that he was going to AEW. And he was like, you know, I don't know right now. I have a contract offer sitting in my inbox from the WWE. It's up to what I want to do. I'm here in Asheville with my family. I'm enjoying what seemingly was his retirement. Then, oh, hi. Here he is now. Yeah, I mean, uh, possibly a great way to to throw people off your track. I mean, like I said, like even all the speculation, all the stuff, you know, we've we've kind of had those. Oh yeah, they'll be here, and then nobody, you know, and then there's no debut or anything. I wouldn't have been disappointed if we didn't get a debut on this card, but to see to see Adam come in and you get that reaction, you be able to still use like Metalingus with the "You think you know me" at the beginning, like everybody was. So excited, and it's very cool to have him there. If you're going to lose CM Punk, somebody who could probably outshine him as a acquisition for your wrestling company, and like, oh, okay, fine, we lost CM Punk. Yeah, he was a draw, but hi, we just got Adam Copeland Edge. He just did his retirement run in the WWE like two months ago. Yeah, um, I feel like it's similar to CM Punk in the way they've come in, but. but Punk had that long cooling down period where he didn't wrestle at all for a long time, so we didn't see him in the world of wrestling at all before he came into AEW. So it is quite, I guess, kind of a shock to see somebody that you've watched for, you know, 25 plus years in another company all of a sudden, boom, one weekend show up in another. But that's what makes this stuff so exciting. There's no better time than the present to break down AEW Wrestle Dream. So let's go right to it. If you want to watch one match from the Zero Hour show on YouTube, you need to go find Claudio Castanelli versus Barnett. That match was my favorite match up to the time I saw Daniel Bryanson versus Zack Sabre Jr. Because Claudio and Barnett just laid the lover into each other. Yeah, <laughs> a slobber knocker, as Joe would say. Just hard hitting. Josh Barnett is huge. Claudio Castanelli is freakishly strong. Like, I don't even understand it. They 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 talked about running it back, so I hope they run it back. Like I'd love to see like maybe Claudio jump in at Bloodsport. You know I don't care where it is on the planet or what app I need to find it on. I'm going to find this next match coming up between those two guys. Yeah, for sure. Hard hitting. 
Okay, so we're going to the first match on the main show, and I was surprised because they went with the ROH Tag Team Championship Handicap match as MJF, everybody's favorite scumbag, faces off against the Righteous, and actually, I was thinking during this match, how are they going to leave these titles on MJF and Adam Cole? And I was thinking, we're going to see Roddy and the King will come down here, cause some kind of interaction to cause MJF the titles, and you switch them over to the Righteous, but MGF manages to get the victory here. Yeah, um, our courageous champion <laughs> fighting through all adversity. Yet, I'm still not completely 100% sold on the righteous, but I I don't think they're bad by any by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I thought it was a great match with MJF. Um, I love that MJF's like tactics in the ring go from have gone from being booed to being loved <laughs> using the, the the ring, the the Eddie Guerrero, you know, the the chair tactic there like everything that everybody used to hate him for we love him um so i like watching this like where mjf has changed but not really i don't know how much longer we can keep the titles on them though um if we're gonna kind of keep doing the you know the little screwy ways to finish it for now i guess it's gonna depend on how long adam cole is out i think so too ashley i feel like this was basically them kicking the can down the road just a little bit they had this match already promised on the pay-per-view and they wanted to do the match so they figure out a way to have the finish. And really, does it really hurt the Rises to lose to MJF any way you can match what you think of? I don't think it would hurt them one bit. I genuinely don't think it would hurt anybody to lose to MJF. So we'll move on to our second match of the evening. And if memory serves you right, we went to one of our favorite matches because it was Eddie freaking Kingston versus Shibata for Eddie's Real Honor title and the Strong Open Weight title. Yeah, and exactly what you'd expect. Chest looking like hamburger, hard hitting. I I genuinely love this so much for Eddie Kingston. <laughs> you know, I know this match probably lasted about around 12 minutes or so, but it felt longer. And by the time they got done, I kind of want to see him do it again. Yeah, I'm pr- I was pretty excited when Shibata kind of made it clear at the uh, at the, the scrum that he's uh, he's ready to commit here. So, <laughs> Let's get that done and let's get him, whether you have him in Ring of Honor now with Eddie or something, like, I'd love to see them run it back on, on Honor Club. Well, you know, you still got a pay-per-view probably in December for ROH, like, their big end-of-year show, and I feel like you're going to need a world title match. Why not just run this one back? Because I feel like that crowd would enjoy a second offering of Eddie Kingston versus Shibata, because, heck, they only offered this match, like, 24 hours before the pay-per-view started, and we were all going, like, hell yeah. Yeah, like I said, like um, you can't go wrong with these two. Eddie, Eddie's super emotional. Katsuyori Shibata is so technical, just like kind of a win all around. Okay, we'll move on to the third match of the evening, as it was the only women's match on the card. As we see Julia Hart versus Chris Statlander for the TBS title, and probably one of the first questionable finishes for a lot of fans. Cause if you were watching Twitter at the moment that Chris Statlander hand Julia Hart. What are kind of same one of Julia Hart to win the day here? Yeah. I mean Julia's done so much to get herself over. Like just the like how much she's improved the character work with the House of Black. I genuinely understand why people wanted Julia to win. I don't think she's quite ready yet, but her time is definitely coming. I can see your point, Ashley. I feel like maybe we're jumping the gun with Julia giving her the title right now because Statler really only had it for a couple of months. But, I mean, 
the only thing Julia Hart is lacking is experience because she got her character down. Her in rings getting better by each day and each match we see her in. Yeah, this this was um their third match together, I think, and it, I by far their best. I mean, Statlander is somebody that like you know everyone says she's really good, but like I, she's been on a tear since before that second injury, and to come back from injury and to still be you know you're still performing at the level you were pre-injury you're helping to kind of like now people are noticing julia hart and a lot of it has to do with like you know people are noticing hey she's going after the champion this is a person that like this is great this is what you need in the women's division especially with losing jade and actually these are two of their homegrown talents basically because julia hart basically came up through the nightmare factory and chris statler did some time on the independent scene but has really only been in AEW, so really you can claim these two as AEW's own. Yeah, and and again, you know, you 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 hope for like maybe one more women's match on a card, but they had a couple of minutes at least. It was a good match. I know not everybody's thrilled with the outcome, but like you can at least be happy. The women went out there, they showed up, they had a good match, and I can't wait to see where Julia goes from here. It's exactly because as we see her leave the ring, she's being carried by Brody King up the ramp. And Chris Sattler is just looking at her going like, anytime you want to come back, yeah, we'll finish this fight again. I'd love to see Brody and Julia get into some like mixed tags matches. Okay, Chris Sattler, Orange Cassidy versus Julia Hart and Brody King. We need to make that match happen somehow with Tony Khan. Yeah, I would love that. Like, especially like Orange Cassidy trying to fight somebody that large. That could, that could be funny. <laughs> okay, so we're going to go over to the four-way tag team match for the opportunity to face whoever won the AEW tag team titles between FTR and Aussie Open. It's the Young Bucks, the Lucha Bros, Hook and Orange Cassidy, and the Gun Brothers. And unfortunately for us, Ashley, our Gun Brothers came up this a bit short. Yeah, I'm genuinely kind of surprised the Young Bucks took this one. I mean, you know, the Young Bucks, they're always kind of like somebody you could safely bet on and, and you know, like probably not go wrong. I thought, you know, we just had Bucks FTR. I thought maybe we would throw, you know, kind of something else in there before we went back to it. But it looks like we're going to go back for Bucks FTR 4. You know, this was the second most heated outcome of a match on this card. As I was running a poll on Radio Free PW on Twitter, and 95% of the people who responded said they didn't like the fact that Young Bucks carried the day here and is number one contender to match. And I agree with them. You already got them with the trios titles. We assume that there's going to be one Jackson versus Phoenix for the international title coming up this Wednesday night. We just have to wait to see if Phoenix is able to wrestle that match after he was apparently injured during this four-way tag team match. Yeah, yeah. He went out about, what, like halfway through or so um, and didn't come back. I don't know if that necessarily audibled anything per se. I, you know, I think the Bucks were intended to win. I just, I don't know. I'm surprised we're going back to it so soon. Yeah, I am too, Ashley, but I just hope FDR carries the day here. We keep the titles on FDR, and we kind of close the door on the Young Bucks having the ta- AEW tag team titles, because I feel like they should go on to help Kenny Omega fight Don Cows and his family, and they don't need the titles for his feud. Right, or Hangman with, like, Swerve in the em- embassy. Like, that's kind of why I didn't pick the Bucks to win, is I figured, like, you know, Hangman and the Bucks being the trios champions, maybe they were going to break off into something with, like, hung bucks versus like mogul embassy a little more solidly or like you said even the bucks helping out kenny with don Callis and all his stuff but i don't know 
just going right back to it, I guess. I was hoping, again, for like a, the guns now that they're a little more experienced and they've gotten themselves a little more over, we would get like the FTR guns again to kind of get them now that they're both, you know, FTR has got those tag titles back to where they should be and the guns have elevated themselves. I was kind of hoping for like a rematch between them. Yeah, that's a, one reason I picked them last week. I was thinking like, you know, they're the up and coming team. They are with Bullet Club Gold. They're the hottest faction on Collision and in AEW at the moment, right behind the Don Cows family. And I'm thinking like, this is an opportunity to raise these guys up another level and let them feud for a while with FTR and let them learn on the job here. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so let's move on to Sturbs versus Heyman Adam Page, your guy. And your boy was walking into a lion's den called Seattle, Washington. Is whose house? It's Ferb Swinton's house. We learned that real fast. <laughs> yeah, uh, pretty hostile crowd. You know, I love the fact that Heyman knew the fact that he was coming into this territory where he's not going to get cheered whatsoever. And he just went with it. He acted the heel in the match, allowing Swerve Swinton to be the babyface, even though Swerve wasn't really doing anything that would assume babyface status whatsoever. Yeah, no, I mean, like, it kind of went how I expected. I I, we, I think we both picked Swerve to win, correct? You picked Swerve as well. Yes, we did. Yeah, I mean, this match too, this is probably, this might be my second favorite match. It's tough. This this whole card was nuts. But I love this. Like, I am so curious to see where this leaves Hangman, because we know his, like, struggles already with, with like, uh, like his place with the elite and like stuff like that. And this seems to like, this is going to like knock him back a peg from like how far he's come. So I'm interested to see how he handles it. Well, I'm hoping that this is the opening chapter to the story between Strickland and Heyman Adam Page. And maybe this lights up fire in Hangman. And we get to a point down the road here, probably in early 2024, where maybe you flip these guys around and Strickland's a baby face and we get a heel Hangman Adam Page. I would love that. I would definitely be interested in seeing a heel Adam Page. I mean, I I would love to see it too, but I don't know if you want to take sort of certain away from the hillside until after you get him to face MJF, because honestly, I feel like that's going to be a match we should do. But now we got Adam Copeland in the picture, and that might change every situation on the AEW title picture. Yeah. I mean, Tony wasn't, I guess, kidding when he said a new era, but. Now anything kind of goes. Now we don't know who's going to be the top people in the picture. I'm hoping it stays kind of where it is. I like Adam Copeland coming in and not necessarily doing exactly what I thought he was going to do coming in. If we keep him in that storyline and keep everybody else like Swerve and MJF and, and like Hangman up there, like I'll I'll be happy with that. Okay, let's move on to FTR versus Aussie Open for the AEW Tag Team titles. And this was almost good as their match last year for New Japan Pro Wrestling and unfortunately Mark Davis is injured he probably broke his wrist during this match about halfway through but the dude was super tough and finished the match yeah that that looked rough um I haven't seen any updates but I I assume like you that it looked like a broken wrist yeah and I mean like the dude wrestled probably another 10 minutes or so and we see the other member of Aussie Open eat a super shatter machine to finish this match. And that super shatter machine was one hell of a finish. Before that, Ozzy Open hits their own shatter machine on FTR. I was thinking, what a perfect way to get Ozzy Open the titles. Use the 
finisher at FTR to put him over. Yeah, and that looked that looked brutal. That looked like a knee to the face. <laughs> I feel like Cash Wheeler was a champ for taking that because man, he did eat that knee in his face. Yeah, yeah, he took a couple of awkward landings. He had that one where he landed on Fletcher's knee on the power bomb. It was just like, oh, like that that had to hurt your ribs, like just straight kneecap up into your ribs. Exactly, but I gotta say this AEW tag team title match, it was good, but there's a lot of great stuff surrounding it, so it. It kind of felt lost in the pictures here for me personally. Yeah, I can see. I I feel like it's kind of been like that the past few pay-per-views. You want to remember everything, but everything is so good. You're just, you're trying to remember everything. Okay, so we're going to move on to a six-man tag match that on paper should have been really super good. But after you see this match, it kind of felt like it didn't go into every gear. It kind of skipped around. They were stalling the car out just a little bit. And I'm talking about Kenny Omega. Chris Jericho, Ibushi versus Will Ospreay, Katesha, and Sammy Guevara. On paper, this would be a five-star match easily, but I don't feel they get past three and a half. Yeah, I mean, it didn't quite hit as as hard as I thought it would. I feel like it's it's tough. You, you got people coming around that, that aren't always necessarily here, aren't always gelled into the like what we're doing here, like Will Ospreay and Ibushi. You know, they're kind of just coming in at, at certain points, so they're not always working with people here. Sometimes guys just have an off night. I'm not, not sure what, you know, like what the the actual issue was, but yeah, definitely definitely not match of the night in my opinion. Well, the one thing that surprised me about this match was Chris Jericho eating the pan for Sammy Guevara. So I feel like we're continuing the storyline with Omega and Jericho both fighting against Don Callis, and eventually you go and make this a... 4v4 kind of still cage match or something maybe down the road? Yeah, they're going to have to do stuff with them because um, now that's what Callis family has three up on them. You know, coming into last week, I feel like we were thinking this was going to be kind of the closing of the book, but now I feel like this is the middle of the chapters here, and I'm happy for Sammy Guevara because Sammy paired with Don Callis is going to intensify that heat that Sammy already has, and I feel like they're building Sammy to be the next big heel behind Swordsman. Yeah, and I will say like that seems to be like a, like a lot of the complaints I see about Sammy is about his mic work and his promo skills. So I think you know Jericho has helped him, I believe, as much as Jericho can for now. Um, and pairing him with somebody like Don Callis, who's a good mouthpiece for people, um, is perfect for right now. Okay, Ashley, let's go talk about the match that everybody is talking about already. They're probably talking about still forty eight hours later. It's everybody's new favorite match of all time. It's Zack Sabre Jr. versus Brian Danielson. And what made this extra special was they had Motsley and Nigel on commentary, and they were both cheering for their respected person because Nigel will not let go of the fact that he can't have a match with Daniel Bryan, with Brian Danielson. And he's here to point out every fall in the arsenal that is Brian Danielson. Mox was fantastic on commentary. I just want to say beforehand, uh, if he's going to be out and, you know, with like a, I think it was a concussion they said he had, he's going to be out for a couple of weeks and he's still going to be around because he's Moxley. Please put him on commentary for all BCC matches. That was phenomenal. <laughs> I did not know he was so good at commentary. Yeah. Along with this match, I don't have enough stars for this match. This may have been the best wrestling match I have ever won. Brian Danielson just continues to be the greatest wrestler I've ever watched. And Zack Sabre Jr. is un- 
godly at this time. <laughs> just amazing technical wrestling. It's insane. You know, I feel like we let the words to describe this match because it was this mind-blowing how Zack Sabre Jr. can transition from one submission into another stretch, into another submission. They're not separating. They're just going with the flow here. And the story of this match is basically, we know that Brian Downson has that injured right arm, as Nigel was telling everybody, and Zack Sabre Jr. basically lures him into using it, and Danson does it, and we're off to the races, and we see Zack Sabre Jr. Brian Danson's right arm every which way but Sunday. Yeah, oh my god, the the way he was twisting it and snapping his fingers back. Oh, it was gross. Oh my god, the, the reversals, the counters, the, the turnout, oh my god, every bit of it was just like perfect. Like, that is just, that is two gifts to professional wrestling. Just, man, just putting on a, a masterpiece. And it comes down to the fact that it takes two cycle knee strikes from Brian Downson to end Zack Sabre Jr. And here's Nigel going, I know Zack lost the match, but he's still the best technical wrestler because Daniel Bryan had to resort to a freaking strike to win this match. <laughs> I've, I, I, I'm always tweeting during the matches and stuff. And that was one match that I think I tweeted one time during that match. And it was just a, a picture that just said, this is why I love wrestling. <laughs> like that, I just, I couldn't take my eyes off the screen. It was like mesmerizing. You know, I've seen it one and a half times right now. I need to go back and finish the second watching to it before I can tell you this is probably one of my top five matches of all time. But I'm debating, this is almost as good as Flair and Steamboat. And for anybody listening who hasn't seen it, there is a very quick uh, post-match interview like uh, with Danielson still in his gear that AEW just put up on social media and on YouTube. Also an awesome like two and a half minute promo. Okay, one match that kind of fell into a death trap or just a match that a lot of people forgot about on this card after you watched it was Witter Yuta versus everybody's favorite, favorite Ricky Starks. It was a simple probably 10 to 15 minute match. And it basically put over Ricky Starks over Yuta. But yet again, John Motsley stole the show on commentary. Yeah, he killed it on commentary. Yeah, um, kind of a, a match that it sort of seemed thrown on there, uh, you know, like last week or whatever. Um, I mean, still a good match. Um, I don't know if this is leading into like Ricky joining the BCC or like, or like potentially thinking about it. I think that I don't know if that would fit. I guess they could make it work, but yeah, I mean, Wheeler Yuta is very good, and Ricky Starks is is kind of killing it the past few weeks, though. So. Exactly. Actually, I feel like Yuta is probably getting beat up at the moment because he's the one gentleman who lost his match for the club last night. Poor Yuta. Yup. Okay, so it leaves us with one match. It's the main event of the evening. It's the best two out of three falls match as Christian Cage faces Darby Allen for the TNT title. Actually, it was kind of a, I'll say, good match of overbooked ending to it, but at the end, it doesn't really matter anymore because we have Adam Copeland and AEW, and we can already think about Copeland versus Cage eventually down the road here as the feud for the TNT title. Yeah, I agree. Kind of overbooked at the end, but it got kind of wild with Christian ripping up the ring and everything. Also, a concerning point coming out of that was Darby was in a sling in the scrum. If you watch this match, Christian Cage picks Darby Allen up and literally tosses him onto the step side 
of the of the steps that they walk up into the ring. The actual triangle little steps there. Usually, you throw them into the back of it, but this time he takes like the middle step and like squares his back, and I was like going like, "Dang, that hurts." Yeah, even MJF was like, "That was the most disgusting bump I've ever seen it uh, ever," and I was like, "Yeah, I think I agree." Like three separate spots of his back just hit the corners of steps. So I was like, "No." Okay, so basically, Darby Allen wins the first ball with using Christian Cage turtleneck sweater against him and i thought hey cool spot pull it over his head like a hockey fight in the sucker you're up one nothing yeah pretty quick fall i like i like the uh the turtleneck coming into play because it's something that like even the crowd like you know notices and sometimes chants at him so thought that was the funny ending quick fall okay so the second ball is basically where christian cage breaks out the heavy artillery because he's down one and nothing so he's desperate to get up even this uh, not lose too straight to Darby Allen. And this is where the stairs spot comes into play. And it leads to a 10 count on Darby Allen. And Christian Cage wins the second fall by count out. Actually, this is the first time I've seen a count out victory. And I can't remember when. Yeah, very rare way to end a match for AEW or, or a fall. I guess it's like a, a nice spot to do it, though, in a two out of three falls match, because you can still have that ending and not have it really be the ending. I don't even know how Darby got up after that, because I, I would still be down. <laughs> okay, so going into the third fall, I'm perfectly happy with this match. It seems logical. I'm not pulling my hair out yet, but this is where Christy Cage decides, I'm going to channel my inner Tomasa Ciampa, and I'm going to pull up the freaking ring apron and expose the wood and we see a kill switch on the actual wood paneling of the ring and Darby Allen gets out and I'm going like okay this is where I want to check out because that's just a little bit too much for me yeah especially after the body slam onto the stairs like that and the frog splash he did the frog splash too from the, the top onto the stretcher before he even threw Darby back in the ring it's tough I know Darby is known for his resilience it's tough to be resilient enough well, I can say the same thing about Christian Cage because he took two coffin drops and one of them being onto the freaking wood of the ring. I'm going like, okay, I thought this was supposed to be like this serious hard spot here. If you do this, this would be like getting a paw driver on concrete. You should be done. Game over. Yeah, but I mean, if they were uh, putting a pin on Darby and, and Christian, you know, now for now with Darby uh, uh, Talking about in his scrum going going soon to go climb, like climb Mount Everest, so we know he's going on on that trek uh, soon. So I, I think he'll be out of AEW at least for a little bit, you know, a couple weeks, whatever. We kind of put a pin on it. They go out in a big way, and then you have Adam Copeland come in, and now you can kind of start this. Okay, so let's talk about the after effect of this match because during the third fall, Nate Wayne runs down to Greenside after. His mom tosses a drink into Christian Cage's face, and the crowd just loved that spot because Mrs. Wayne got a little revenge on Christian there, so I was kind of happy about that. And we think for a second that Nick is going to help Darby win the third fall, and Nick Wayne just nails the hell out of Darby Allen with a title belt, and he's joining Christian Cage? Yeah. <laughs> he whacked Darby with that belt, too. You heard it. Um, Nick Wayne's mom like, <laughs> So upset. <laughs> I gotta say, she had the best reaction to this turn. And now I'm thinking, like, if you ever need a reaction shot for somebody turning heel, just insert her picture into the crowd somewhere. Nick Wayne turned heel on his own mom. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, I love this, honestly. Like, it makes sense in the, like, into what they were doing where, like, Nick was already kind of drifting from Darby because of, like, the AR Fox situation and everything like that. And then he kind of felt put off by Darby when Darby, he didn't feel like Darby was helping him. So now he's turning to a guy who is not helping anybody, but is telling, what is he telling everybody? I'm here to help you. I'm here to guide you. I can be your father figure. <laughs> so to to see this, I, I am very excited to see what, what Nick Wayne is going to do with Christian. Okay, so we're to the point that Christian Cage is retaining his TNT title over Darby Allen. We see him hug Nick Wayne in front of Nick Wayne's mom. And that was a freaking spot right there, let me tell you. Kissed him on the forehead, too. My son, you learned, you have come to the dark side. I'm your father. Yes, yes, yes. So here comes Sting out. And I'm thinking to myself, if I was Darby, I'd be kind of annoyed at Sting. Like, dude, do you not have a monitor in your dressing room? Can you see I'm in trouble about 10 minutes ago? Can you get down here? Yeah, come on, Sting. (laughs) Maybe he was chilling up in the rafters and it took a minute, you know? (laughs) So Sting goes down. It becomes two-on-two for a minute. Then Lucasaurus comes out to make it three-on-two, and baby faces are getting their butts kicked. And Christian is getting the chair, putting it underneath Sting's head, grabbing the second chair, and we're thinking, oh, he's going to end Sting's run in AEW because he's going to hit the Chichero, and the lights go out. And we see a video package. It's a muscle car. Driving around the city of Seattle. Who could it be, Ashley? Well, uh, the uh, car speeds off down the highway and on the on the road is spray-painted Rated R. <laughs> you know, I was jokingly saying this could happen last week on the show. I'm like, hey, after we get past Darby Allen, maybe Adam Cullen could join AEW. He could view Christian for the TNT title. And like 12 midnight Eastern, I was like, am I Norse Davis? Did I call this? <laughs> Well, apparently so, because that's what it seems the uh, uh, the the direction we're going after that. So, Adam Copeland makes his debut with like his WWE music. They have the rights to Rated R Superstar because the WWE failed twice to copyright the term Rated R Superstar, so they're free clear to use it. So here we go. I mean, basically, you get Adam Copeland in AEW almost Edge like without the name Edge. That's the only thing you didn't bring over with him. Yeah, um, yeah, they were calling him the Rated R Superstar already. Um, I think even his um, shirt that came out says like the Rated R Era or something like that. It seems like they're, they're going to keep it and, and use it here in AEW. Um, and I think that's kind of smart because people who are already familiar with him will, will immediately, you know, they know who he is. You know, there's somewhere in WWE, somebody's looking around like, which intern was supposed to do this? You might want to go ahead and turn your origination. Has he been using that nickname so much anymore? I wonder if, like, it, did it just lapse? And, like, maybe they were like, oh, he's, we're not really using it anymore. Like, well, apparently, according to, like, WrestleTalk, where I found this out at, WWE failed to register it two years ago. So that would make it 2021. So he's been free and clear to use this term since then. And nobody realized, oh, hey, we don't have the trademark to this anymore. So. Oops. An oversight that works out in his favor. And um, during the scrum, he said that, like, he personally knows Alter Bridge, the band. So, like, they gave permission to use the song. Exactly. He's like, hey, you know, I know those guys who wrote the song. And they're like, you can use this wherever you want to. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So, hey, score. Yeah. When he saw Adam Copeland make his debut, what was going through your mind at the moment? 
I was like, uh, the first thought that went through my mind was, holy shit, TK actually did it. Um, <laughs> like I said, I, I just genuinely thought Edge was somebody who was just a lifelong WWE guy and not through like, you know, like any, well, just he's always been a top guy there. He's always been treated well at WWE. I just saw him retiring there in WWE, but it looks like he has, um, especially from his words at the scrum, seems like he has a lot more he wants to give back to just wrestling in general. So I'm excited to see what he can do um, helping these younger people out in AEW. Now, going through my mind at the moment was like, oh my freaking word, he's there. And like you, I'm going to like, Tony Khan pulled this off. And like, <laughs> I'm just surprised it doesn't pull it off. But hey, Tony, good job. Yeah. I, it's, I feel like declining and watching wrestling a few years ago i felt like a, a lot of it was like the genuine lack of like oh like a surprise moment and like i feel like since getting back into it over the past couple of years like there's been so many like genuinely like holy god shit shocking moments it makes it so much fun and this is why you need two companies because now you get to have these moments you know wwe fans when they see Shade gargill for the first time these people are gonna fall off their chairs you know if they weren't watching AEW and didn't see Jade before like wait till you guys see Jade Cargill she's amazing right she's just star power incarnate well let's wrap up our coverage of AEW Wrestle Dream actually overall is this a thumbs up or a thumbs down episode of AEW pay-per-view thumbs up for me this run has been killer the past few pay-per-views okay so I did a Twitter poll on Radio Free PW and 95 Five percent of people who responded gave it an A grade for the pay per view, and I got to say I'm kind of with them because I think all but two matches on this card hit, and one of the matches that didn't hit was probably Yuta versus um, Ricky Stars, and the fact was that that match only had like maybe 24 hours build, and you could argue maybe Chris Jericho and versus Don Callis family was the other match that didn't hit as good as it could have, but overall everything else was like five stars and oh. Actually, we didn't have one title change on this card. Oh, yeah. Not one. Not one title change. I was kind of surprised myself. Yeah, especially with so many up for grabs, too. You know, when you have, like, you know, like, Eddie's titles up for grabs, the TBS, TNT titles, um, the, the ROH tag titles. Yeah, not one title change. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that has been your AEW Wrestle Dream review here on Radio Free Professional Wrestling. And, Ashley... I know you're not a big fan of NXT, so allow me to quickly have like two matches from No Mercy that you need to go watch. If you're able to have the WWE Network or Peacock, go check out the last two matches of No Mercy. I'm talking about Ilya Dragunov versus Carmelo Hayes and Becky Lynch versus Tiffany Stratton. They're both world title matches. Tiffany Stratton versus Becky Lynch was a hardcore match. And I gotta say, it was one of the best hardcore matches I have seen in a while and we got to see Tiffany Stratton kick out of a manhandle slam and it took Tiffany Stratton basically eating another manhandle slam on a group of steel chairs to l allow Becky Lynch to retain the title and if you haven't seen Ilya Dragunov versus Carmella Hayes if you like Zack Sabre Jr. versus Daniel Bryson this match is just a little bit below that one but you're going to enjoy it as well because Ilya Dragunov is like Zack Sabre Jr. and Daniel Bryan put together. And Carmelo, Carmelo is somebody that I watched a lot when he was on the indies. And like, I'm so happy that he's killing it in like NXT and WWE. Like, I can't wait to lay bump that dude up to the main roster. He's, he's main roster right now. I'm, I'm hoping that they put him on SmackDown, preferably SmackDown, 
Pair him with Bobby Lashley and the Street Profits, make that a hill faction, and you got money printing left and right. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to our final segment of the week here. Welcome to Take the Book. Sean and David get their chance to book wrestlings as they see fit. I call it Take the Book. So, actually, we're going to play a little game where we decide how to debut Jay Cardio and the WWE. Do you want to go first or you want me to go first? Let's see. You go first. Okay. So, I had two ideas as I was thinking about this through the week. My first idea for Jay Cardio involves her going over to Monday Night Raw. For the last couple of weeks, we have seen one Nia Jax basically run rush shop through every lady on that roster. And she's already said she's the baddest you-know-what on the planet. And that when she said that last week on Raw, I'm going like, Ashley, I know somebody who probably thinks the same way. So I would have Jay Cargill debut on Raw and crush Nia Jax in 30 seconds, like Bill Goldberg crush. Okay. I can see that, especially, you know, like, uh, I feel like those wrestling hints are a, a little heavy-handed when they do, like, the the, the shout-outs to, like, uh, quotes or nicknames and stuff like that. So I can see something like that. I think regardless of what they do with Jade, she's got to be featured, you know? Like I was, like I was saying before we, we wrapped up there, um, she has, her star power is, like, off the charts. Um, it, it's genuinely disappointing to see her leave, but I am so excited for her and everything she's going to do. I would say possibly Cody's on Raw, correct? Yeah, Cody's on Raw, so that's another reason I'm thinking put her on money at Raw, so she's hanging with Cody. Um, somebody she, she knows already is there, she's worked with before, somebody who can kind of help guide her. You know, she's still learning and everything, so I think pairing her on Raw is perfect. So have her debut on Raw. If it's not Nia Jack, I, I wouldn't have her go after like a champion right away. I know sometimes wrestling fans always want somebody to come in and go after a champion, but I wouldn't have her do that right away. I would say either against Nia Jax or against Bianca. Okay, so that leads me into my second picking idea for one Jake Cardio. So we're going to flip this thing over to SmackDown. Because if you look at the SmackDown roster, you get access to Asuka, Eosky, Bailey. Charlotte Flair, and Bianca Belair. There's more talent on the women's side on the SmackDown roster, more people with more experience for, say, somebody who's a little bit newer to professional wrestling and Jay Cardio, who's only been around and wrestling for two years and is willing to learn. Why not sit her on SmackDown, have her inside this fashion that I'm building with Bobby Lashley so you can have a female member to this fashion. So now I got Carmella Hayes and Jay Cardio in the new Hurt Business. Yeah, no, and, like, I see a, like, I've seen a lot of, like, similarities between, like, Bianca and Jade, you know, like, they're both very, like, they're both very, like, mainstream eye-catching and stuff like that, so I could see them having, like, a lot of, like, similarities and stuff, though, maybe not so much pair them together, because I I think Jade is going to still be a heel, regardless, I think she just kind of has the personality for it, so if you're, if you're going to keep Bianca babyface, maybe, maybe start the, maybe start that feud. See, I'm assuming the same way you are. I assume that Jay Cardio is coming into WWE. They're going to keep her as a heel. Even though I know I was banning around the idea during the summer that there's a baby face Jay Cardio run in AEW, but we're in a new ballpark. We're playing with new pieces on the puzzle now, so we're going to put that to the side for a minute. Yeah, you're kind of restarting with her, so I would kind of have her come in with what she knows and what she's comfortable with. She's already had a run as this like heel character, so she st- she was finding her way definitely with like promos and stuff like that. 
So have her continue like working on that, but keep her in this in this role that she's comfortable with. You put her up against a big baby face like Bianca and somebody who's like as experienced and is is as good as Bianca, and you have like a kind of like a perfect partner I think for her to work with. I think so too. The only place I wouldn't put her in WWE is actually on TV and NXT. She can train at the performance center all she wants to to get experience, but I feel like she would be like a big fish in a small pond if you put her on NXT right now. Because outside of Becky Lynch and probably Tiffany Stratton, there's not another female talent under that has the star power of a Jay Cardell. Yeah. And it's a big part of why, you know, you know, they wanted her and she wanted to be there. I agree. It's kind of like the name is too big, but like it feels like the name is too big, but like the work wouldn't be, you know, like, you know, because it's kind of like the, oh, we got Jade from AEW kind of thing. So you kind of want to put her in and put her in a spot. It looks good on both sides, you know, look what we can do with the AEW people we bring over and, you know, look what we can do for you. But also because she has like that name recognition, like you said, it does seem a little small for her, but she does need the work because she's still newer to professional wrestling. So kind of a catch 22. Exactly. And you know, something that just popped into my mind as we're talking here, Ashley, next week, AEW Dynamite is on Tuesday night. Do you know what else is on Tuesday night? It's NXT. I got a feeling maybe the WWE might have Jay Cardio sit in the crowd at NXT going, Oh, hey, look, that's Jay Cardio, our latest signing. Yeah, we're actually going to have a couple of head, like head-to-head um, AEW and WWEs over the next uh, few weeks because we got that one. And then I know there's going to be a Rampage and Collision going against SmackDown um, before Full Gear. It's going to be a very interesting fall here as we watch both companies in North America as now we have at least two people who switch sides. And there's a possibility maybe in 2024... Maybe Ricky Stars or somebody else might go to the WWE. Yeah, I, there's a lot of speculation already about him possibly jumping ship when his contract is up. I guess it'll just depend on the offer. It's tough right now because he's he's in a high profile spot. It's not something I, I you know that I don't think he was you know obviously planning on being uh, in the spot he's in right now. You know, I think his, his situation would have been a lot different if CM Punk was still around, but. I mean, he's in a pretty prominent position, but if he feels like they're going to offer him something that AEW can't, then I don't see why he wouldn't take the offer. You know, he's another one of Cody's guys, too. That's why I've got a feeling that maybe Cody's this pipeline for some of the talent whose contracts are coming up now with AEW going, hey, you know what? They treated Cody pretty well, so maybe I just look at an offer from the other company before I decide to sign back with Tony. Yeah, because I'll be honest, like we didn't get to talk much when when the news broke of like Jade, um, uh, like signing with WWE and stuff. And I was like, I was genuinely upset for a couple of reasons because one, she's one of the most featured women talent you have in AEW, and she walked, you know. So that that just overall doesn't look good in my opinion. But I, but after listening to Tony talk about it, I don't know if you you know you watch the scrum and everything. I kind of feel better about it. He made his offers. He you know he made it every offer he possibly could so i think either wwe just offered her something that aew couldn't or you know that's just where she wanted to be so in that case there's no changing your mind that you know like that was her step so i'm happy she's staying in wrestling because there was reports of her completely leaving wrestling after um her aew contract was done so i'm glad she's staying with it and anything to get more eyes on wrestling you know (laughs) 
And this is what the WWE has done in a week. They had Jay Cardio underneath their umbrella. They made the announcement. They leaked it to ESPN. And ESPN made a main story of that for that day. Oh, hey, the WWE has signed this AEW champion to a contract. They had an interview with Jay Cardio on ESPN. I'm going like, they just did more with her than Tony did in two years. Besides doing a Bill Goldberg undefeated streak. Yeah, if I kind of like, it's tough because like I said, she was one of the main featured women you had on the AEW roster. But like in saying that you had all in one of the biggest shows you've ever done or that's ever been done in professional wrestling and you still only found time for one women's match. And some women would see that and be like, does it matter how much I work? You know, if I'm not going to get a spot at the biggest show you guys have. And that might be... He, uh, you know, a detriment to to what they're trying to build there. Yeah, you know, it's something that maybe Tony needs to look at. Going like, okay, so I just lost one of our big investments to the other company. Why did I lose this person? Okay, hopefully he goes like, maybe I can find a second match for the ladies on the card. And oh, by the way, I'm sorry, I was stupid enough not to put two women's matches on the biggest pay per view we ever done. Yeah, I mean, like, there, there's always, like, the talk of, like, uh, you know, AEW bringing in, like, Mercedes Monet or, you know, like, another big, like, a Diana Perrazzo. Like, I know her contract is coming up with Impact and there's talks of her possibly coming in. And I was like, but what would entice some of these women to come in? Like, you you know you're going to get one women's match per show and you got to hope that you're going to be the one on that show. And it's it's going to make it a lot tougher for for everybody. It's going to make it tougher to sign them. It's going to make it tougher to keep them, for sure. Exactly, because I feel like right now the WWE does better representing women professional wrestling right now. They got more opportunities for matches. You literally see a lot more women on WWE TV than you do AEW at the moment. And if you're talking about Diana Perrazzo, her contract is coming up probably sometime this month. So does she go back to WWE where she's already had a stint that didn't work out so well, but that was under a different regime now. This is a totally new or a quote unquote new regime for the WWE. So it might be a little bit different. Yeah, I'm I'm genuinely very curious about what the upper uh, management is like up there now. You know, it's the one thing I'm looking to watch during the fall and probably the early part of 2024 is to see how Endeavor kind of changes the operation that was once this ran through Bisfit Man. I know he's still there as like the quote unquote creative head of the company, but you know Endeavor's going to go like, hey, you signed this person. Can we see her on TV, please? Yeah. And especially like, it, it, you know, money going in, they're going to want to see results. So exactly. Well, this is going to bring our episode to the end this week, Ashley. Before we let you go, I did a little experiment this week on Twitter on Friday. I did a Friday quiz day, and my question was, who held the WWE version of the World Heavy title the most? Ashley, do you want to take a guess who held it the most? Which version? The version that um, Eric Bischoff debuted in 2003, gave it to Triple H. Triple H was the first one to hold the WWE version of the Big Go belt that WCW had. This belt was retired in 2013. Who do you think held it the most times? And do you want to hit... Because I can give you a lot if you want one. Okay. Okay, my hint for you is we have talked about this guy on this episode. Is it Edge? It is Edge. Edge held this version of the World Heavy title seven times. Oh, God, wow. 
And I didn't know that until I looked it up because I was feeling like, hey, Triple H is the answer here. I was thinking Triple H and I was like, Triple H only had it five times. Edge had it Honestly, that was the first name that popped into my head too. I was like, Triple H. <laughs> I know he was always around the championship around that time. But yeah, no, that makes sense. Edge was Edge was a champion a ton of time. Oh yeah, during that late 20 aughts to the early 2010s, he was basically champion once every six months or so. <laughs> yeah. But join me this coming Friday on our Twitter page at Radio Free PW, and I'll have a new question. And maybe it'll be a little easier. Maybe it'll be a little harder than last week's question. And I will always give you the answer at the end of Radio Free Professional Wrestling. Ashley, where can we find you on Twitter? I'm on Twitter. It's at groovy underscore ash underscore. And Ashley, and guys, before we, we go, if you watch NST, check out tonight's episode because friend of the show ariana grace is on the episode she's one of the members of the breakout tournament and yes david i'm gonna be biased i'm picking ariana grace to win the breakout tournament so go ahead put that in pen and we'll just have to see if i'm right and until next week ashley stay standing and oh by the way we're just two top guns signing off guns up christina here on behalf of the guys thanks for listening like the show do us a favor and share it with a friend have a stunning question email it to the show at radiofreeprowrestling at gmail.com until next time this has been radio free pro wrestling stay stunningly